and welcome to the Proximo podcast. This is your host, Maisie Clark, reporting to you from London. On today's podcast, I'm pleased to welcome Kyle Hayes from BakerBots for what is sure to be an informative and insightful discussion on the emergence of RNG, including the drivers behind the extremely active M&A market, new benefits arising out of the Inflation Reduction Act, and the outlook for project development. Kyle is a special counsel in BakerBots' global projects department, where his practice focuses on the full spectrum of renewable energy project development and mergers and acquisitions. Kyle has advised clients on a variety of renewable asset technologies and projects, including solar, wind, battery storage, and renewable fuels, particularly in the realm of renewable natural gas and its wide spectrum of feedstocks. He is a frequent speaker and contributor within the energy and infrastructure space on topics related to the energy transition and renewables deal-making. Most recently, Kyle advised CIM Group in its acquisition of a development portfolio of landfill gas to RNG projects from Mass Energy. He is currently representing multiple investor-owned utilities in structuring RNG offtake agreements, and he regularly counsels RNG developers on project development matters, including negotiation of project-related agreements and M&A structuring. Prior to entering private practice, Kyle served as in-house counsel to Con Edison of New York, where he handled a variety of legal and commercial matters related to both wholesale and retail power and gas markets. Prior to that, Kyle had began his legal career at the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, where he handled rate-making matters for both interstate gas pipelines and electric transmission utilities. Kyle, it's great to have you and your expertise on the podcast today. Thanks, Maisie. Appreciate it. Firstly, I think it would be great to give our listeners a bit of background to renewable natural gas as an asset class and its presence in the U.S. market. Sure, appreciate the question. So I think RNG as an asset class really starts with, well, what is renewable natural gas in contrast to traditional natural gas? And what it really comes down to is the difference in the source of methane, right? So Traditional natural gas um, has methane as a natural, naturally occurring component of it. And so whenever you smell gas, that's what you're smelling is generally methane. Um, I think in contrast, uh, renewable natural gas is a parallel source of methane that's created from the decomposition of organic material. And so that organic material can be anything from the waste within a landfill, which, which creates methane, um, it could be uh, organic food waste. It could be things like dairy manure, um, poultry litter, um, wood waste. There's a variety of organic material that if decomposed in a certain way um, can then um, be the, the, the source of methane that ultimately um, gets upgraded. Um, and so what renewable natural gas really is, is a cleaned up and conditioned version of the breakdown of those organic materials that create that methane. I think the core benefits of the product and really its evolution as an asset class really comes about because of the fact that they can utilize the same infrastructure as traditional pipeline quality natural gas. And, you know, that stands in contrast to some of the other decarbonized products of the day that we hear about all the time in terms of hydrogen, for example, where, you know, one of the one of the struggles, if you will, with hydrogen is that the production has to be more or less co-located with the demand because hydrogen as a standalone product can't really be transported. Um, that is uh, in that is in contrast to something like renewable natural gas where um, it can just be put on a pipe or truck in the same way that traditional um, uh, gas is right now. Um, so uh, there, there's that. And then I think um, 
you know, because of that, it, it, it really ties into the reality that it's a baseload resource um, to the extent that you can stabilize the feed the feedstock source. And, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. Um, and then I think, you know, the reduced carbon intensity of RNG allows it to be monetized in a way, you know, beyond just traditional gas sales, both in terms of, um, you know, some of the regulatory programs that allow for revenue because of the environmental attributes, but also because, you know, RNG itself has uh, reduced life cycle emissions. And then, you know, it also allows for reduced life cycle greenhouse gas emissions for other products, uh, for example, like hydrogen. That's great. Thanks so much for that outline. So there seems to be a current hot trend of RNG activity, and it has seen an extremely active M&A market. What are the drivers behind this? Yeah, I think it's two things, uh, and I'll address each of them. I, I think the one is consolidation in the market and then also the regulatory and legislative environment. And so on the first part, you know, you may have seen some of the most recent landmark deals, uh, you know, BP uh, acquiring Arkea, uh, Nextera acquiring EPP, Kinder Morgan acquired the operational portfolio of Moss Energy, albeit we, uh, we worked on the development stage of portfolio of Mass Energy and representing SIM Group. But what you notice in a lot of those deals is that there are strategic buyers, right? So these are folks that, you know, either have um, substantial pipeline capacity, uh, for example, like a, like a Kinder Morgan or are otherwise, right, notable shippers on, on, on interstate pipelines. And so because of the fact that there are limited resources for RNG, um, there's a relative scarcity of, right, enough organic food waste that is separated from other products, say that would otherwise go into a landfill. You know, there's there's only so many landfills, not to mention the fact that most landfills in the US are owned by municipalities, right? So that creates its own sort of bureaucratic challenges, right? And being able to not only find a landfill, but also identify that it is suitable for an RNG project. And so what you sort of end up having is this limited pool or limited universe of the feedstocks, and therefore, there are a limited amount of players, right, that are that are in position to ultimately o- acquire those projects. And so, um, I think you're going to continue to see uh, strategics, strategic buyers, basically dominate the, uh, the 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 M and A market for that from that perspective. And it's also the, the case that strategics are winning out because unlike, say, a private equity fund who's, you know, particularly looking to earn a return on, you know, purchasing one of these projects or a platform, um, strategics don't necessarily have the same outlook, right? Because of the fact that they have existing infrastructure and it's more just about scaling as opposed to earning a return. And so I think that's why you'll continue to see a lot of consolidation. The other Part of it is the regulatory environment. And so you have the legacy regulatory programs, say, you know, in the California and Oregon low carbon fuel standard. But then you also have a low carbon fuel standard in, for example, British Columbia with the same sort of categorical, you're able to monetize uh, the use of fuels in the transportation market to the extent that it has a reduced carbon intensity as opposed to gasoline or diesel. There's been an expansion of that in the U.S. So, for example, now you have California SB 1440, which effectively establishes a renewable gas standard um, requiring the uh, utilities in California to procure a certain amount of gas that is uh, that comes from RNG. 
and which is very similar to you know the establishment of the renewable portfolio standards back in the late nineties and early two thousands for renewable power. And then you know of course right you have uh, most recently the Inflation Reduction Act, um, which for purposes of biogas establish an ITC for qualified biogas properties, and then. Uh, there's also the potential for, and we'll wait to see what IRS guidance says about this, but there's potential for the ability to monetize tax credits under the uh, under 45Z, uh, which would uh, be a production tax credit or for clean fuel, as well as, right, and this is one thing that I'm not sure folks are necessarily keyed into, is that, say, for example, the uh, the development of clean hydrogen, which can include both green and blue hydrogen, Natural gas has a has a role, uh, particularly in blue hydrogen production, and so to the extent that you can demonstrate that your ultimate life cycle emissions of your product has reduced carbon intensity, renewable natural gas helps in in that process, particularly for steam methane reformation, um, which which uses natural gas and then a carbon capture component. So you really it's really do, it's really twofold in terms of you know M and A where folks are realizing that there's a lot of upside to be had, but then, you know, there's also uh, room for consolidation for a lot of the, the large strategics. Absolutely. And you're clearly very active in this sector. As you enter into an RNG related transaction in your role as counsel, what tend to be your first orders of business in terms of analyzing a project and perhaps even an example of a complication you spotted and how it played out? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Happy to, happy to answer that. So I think when, we first get into a deal, I think we think about it, uh, we, we try to think about it from the client's perspective, right, in terms of project development 101, right, which is, you know, what stage is the project? Has it been built? If it hasn't been built, does it have an offtake agreement? Does, is there an EPC contractor in place? You know, does it have all the correct permitting? Does it have gas rights? And most importantly, and I guess I'll, I'll pause on this point, the biggest factor we uh, we, we tend to focus on is the feedstock source, right? So because without the feedstock, right, you don't you don't have an RNG project. And so for example, um, for say a landfill gas project, one of the first things we're looking at is what are you know what are the gas rights arrangements? And do they have they started yet? At what point do the gas rights end? That's really our focal point um, when when we get in is is understanding what the what the feedstock source is and then we typically go from there in terms of sort of checking all the boxes of your typical project life cycle and, and what it needs um, in order to get built an example of a complication uh that uh, was spotted so a, a couple of those actually down in uh the uh, particularly in the del marva region there has uh, been uh, historically a lot of uh, a lot of ambition around poultry litter to rng projects um, and those are becoming uh, more prevalent as folks develop more specificity and technology around uh, how you actually source the feedstock for poultry litter that um, can can then be turned into uh, turned into RNG. One of the things that we found out in diligence quite a few years ago for a project was there was really no specifications um, for the underlying feedstock. That, to my knowledge, that project never ended up getting constructed because both strategic and financial investors sort of had, you know, on discomfort around whether the, you know, the ultimate specifications of ultimate science around how the poultry litter was going to be turned into pipeline spec gas uh, was really in question. One of the other things that is, can be interesting, particularly with respect to 
landfill gas projects, a couple of a couple of points there. One is that, as I mentioned earlier, landfill gas or landfills themselves tend to be owned by municipalities. And so to the extent that you're trying to acquire a landfill gas project, um, it usually will result in a change of control of the ultimate ownership of the, the upgrading facility on the landfill. And so, you know, <laughs> trying to convince a municipality that these new owners um, are going to be just as good as the old ones um, can be a, a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of a process. Um, not to say that it's completely insurmountable, but that's one thing to sort of keep in mind is that you're not typically you're not dealing with um, another private owner. You're dealing with with a government entity. Similarly, for landfill gas projects, is you know a lot of these projects have um, they they used to operate to ultimately use the landfill gas to power generation facilities that were also co-located. And so to the extent that you have a an existing power facility on the landfill where you're talking about construction the RNG project, it's important to recognize that you may have certain uh, regulatory concerns with a power project that may still be operating. Um, and that's one thing that in our recent deal, we, we kind of came across and had to had to parse out from a federal energy regulatory perspective. So those are just a couple examples of things that can pop up. That's great, thank you. And you touched on President Biden's now passed Inflation Reduction Act earlier, but perhaps we could talk in a bit more detail in terms of the benefits it will bring to the RNG market and how will these benefits affect deals in the space? I think up to this point, you've seen a lot of RNG projects from an economic perspective where there's been, a, a, fairly decent reliance on not just right the sale of RNG, but also trying to monetize the environmental attributes through the renewable fuel standard, or again, through the California work in LCFS, which by the way, all of those programs are tied to the use of RNG as a transportation fuel. I think that's, a, that's an important point. But now that you have a, a biogas ITC um, and that ITC, at least from our perspective, tends to be where there seems to be applicable to most of the different feedstocks that we've talked about um, for, for biogas projects, it only, I mean, it drastically improves the economics, right? So to these things that you can apply for a 30% ITC for your ultimate CapEx, right? Um, for building a project and the idea that, you know, because of the transferability aspect of the IRA, you know, the developers themselves could uh, could potentially capture the credit instead of just having it pass right directly to a tax equity investor. I think it's just making the economics for these projects look a lot better. And to the extent that, you know, folks had projects that um, were predating the, the IRA or, or perhaps have gone into service uh, after the passage of the IRA, De developers, some developers had already sort of gotten to their economics, right, in terms of, you know, the kind of return that they wanted. But now with the passage of the ITC, that only, you know, provides upside. So I, I think you'll continue to see uh, more folks want to jump into the arena in terms of um, trying to develop projects because the, the capital stack looks so much better now. Then in addition, as I mentioned, right, you've got the potential for um, a, a uh, the, the credit under 45Z. Again, that's also tied to transportation fuel. Uh, then you've also got um, the ability to, I guess, I guess to some extent, you have an additional uh, demographic or universe of off takers of RNG, given the fact that there are folks, for example, that are, that are trying to produce hydrogen, right? And so, you know, I, I think that the IRA uh, is just going to make it a lot more economically beneficial 
Um, but it also just, I think it broadens the universe of folks that can benefit from, uh, from, from project development. Absolutely. And with everything we've discussed, what is the outlook for project development in the RNG sector? Yeah, so I think, uh, again, I, I, I think that I think the, the future is bright. You know, I, I think that we're going to continue to see, you know, we'll continue to see some of the staples of the market in terms of landfill gas and, and dairy manure and that kind of thing. But I think you're also going to see the evolution of different types of feedstocks. So um, food waste is one um, that is in the U.S. is is relatively nascent in terms of uh, those projects being built, although they are they are becoming more prevalent. And, you know, those are also a sort of silo of projects that tend to be a little more distributed because food waste projects tend to be smaller, given the, you know, some of the challenges around trying to collect um, and separate solely organic food waste. I think you'll continue to see the uh, the prevalence of, say, wastewater, um, uh, wastewater to RNG projects. Uh, as well as uh, wood waste is, is another up and coming feedstock. So I think, you know, as you have the economics improve because of the, you know, the regulatory and the legislative environment, as you have consolidation, as you have uh, the technology steadily improving for different feedstocks, I think um, you're just going to see a lot more projects being built. And, you know, for us as, as folks involved, uh, both uh, in the underlying project development and also on the M&A side, you know, we're, we're excited. Great. It does sound like exciting times. Thanks, Kyle. I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. Thanks so much again for joining me on the podcast. It will be really interesting to see the development in the RNG sector in the near future. Thank you. I'd just like to take a moment to remind listeners that Proxmo's Deals of the Year awards are open for submissions, and we are looking for the best, the brightest, and the most innovative deals that have closed in 2022. The deadline for submission is the 15th of December 2022 and the submission form as well as award criteria can be found on our website www.proximoinfra.com. If you require more information or any assistance please email submissions at proximoinfra.com. That's all for today folks. Have a great week.